When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sweet Tarts dared to combine sweet and tart, but we didn't stop there. We combined soft and bouncy to bring you new Sweet Tarts Gummies Fruity Splits, a uniquely delicious dual-sided gummy with one side that's sweet and one side that's tart, but entirely smooth and squishy. Mmm, a powerfully perfect combo. Sweet Tarts, dare to combine. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director, and I'll be your host for this episode. This week, we've got a specially extended chat with Twee Pham from London's Little Viet Kitchen. She tells us all about her journey from hosting pop-ups in a tiny London flat to running her own successful Vietnamese restaurant. We also discuss the secrets behind creating the perfect broth, which is a vital ingredient in Vietnam's national dish, the noodle soup pho. Okay, so I'm here at the Little Viet Kitchen with Thuy Pham, who's the executive chef and co-owner. Um, and we're here to talk about Vietnamese food. We're talk- here to talk about your journey from a pop-up to this gorgeous little restaurant, which is in the corner of Chapel Market in Islington. Um, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank now, you. Tell us how you got started because you, you literally used to host um, dinner parties in your living room, didn't you? Absolutely. I did that. You know, when you really want to do something and you you have to find a way, yeah. there's always an option to say, oh, I'm too busy or I can't do it. But we thought there's no perfect time for anything in life. And so we thought if we don't do it now, we'll never get to do it. So were you working so, in a regular job absolutely. and dreaming about cooking so food? So back then, <laughs> my fiancé uh, and I both worked in advertising and that was solid Monday to Friday. Yeah. But uh, every Friday we would go home and we would prep the, the house for the next day because supper club would be every Saturday. So we've got this humongous... Actually, we, we could have had a smaller sofa. That would have helped. <laughs> so it was like this huge L-shaped uh, sofa and we would take this up to the bedroom and then turn the living room into a big dining room this was my mini restaurant and in my mind one day I hope that it I don't know where life would take me yeah. but maybe one day I would have a restaurant <laughs> so I would design every weekend it would be themed different colors of flowers and I would make the menu and frame them <laughs> and my cutlery would be the same and Every week it would be different. So you weren't just doing it, no. like putting tables out, you actually designing your own Yeah, mini absolutely. Place. But you know what the fun, you know when you go out with a bunch of girls? Yeah. It's a girls' night out. Sometimes the best part is the getting ready, yeah. right? <laughs> so, and then you go out and the bar sounds and the food is horrible or the night was rubbish. But yeah. actually all the fun that you had was in the preparation of that night with yeah. your loved ones and your girlfriends. <laughs> and I feel that. But actually Supper Club, it was fun all the way through. But my favourite part is always designing the menu, yeah. um, really showcasing. I'm a bit of a show-off. <laughs> I'm, when it comes to food, I'm a show-off. So I want to squeeze as much... On 
onto the menu as possible. And if you've been to my supper club before, it'd be between eight to 13 dishes. All right, that's a lot. <laughs> and the, the size of the kitchen is tiny in comparison to what we have here. But I really wanted people to taste food that actually maybe not commercialise, therefore mm. you don't know. And these are tastes and flavours that took me home. Yeah. I live in London. I came here when I was seven years old. And I think sometimes there's that connection that you have with home yeah. that uh, that you can't explain. This could be the smell of the broth yeah. or the taste of lemongrass, chilli and garlic together mm. or when your grandma slightly burns the uh, prawns and you can smell it yeah, on the iron. Like the right. Yeah, <laughs> Roasted Amazing. prawn shell. Absolutely. Or even the bright colour that yeah. you see that you recognise. Now, these are the only memories I have of Vietnam and they're very fond memories because I remember always being so happy mm. and I, till this day I don't know whether I love food so much because we had so little and whether I appreciate every single dish so much mm. because we never had anything in volume I never thought I was poor no you ever. just but I was you always didn't really told, know anything else. Right. Yeah. But I was always told I was poor. And I hear it all the time. Oh, we're so poor. We're so poor. I'm like, well, this is crazy because we have herbs in buckets. Yeah. We eat the herbs in basketful. <laughs> and the fish comes in. It's fresh. And grandma always has amazing food. Yeah. But actually, our prawns would be tiny because they're the prawns that people wouldn't sell. Our rice would be broken because the full grain rice would be exported. Right. And then our fish would be mini fish because the big ones go to the city or the shops or something yeah. like that. But in my opinion, a good dish, yes, it starts from good ingredients, yeah. but actually it's what you make of what you have. And it's also the love that your granny and your mum put into it. and what you do it. with it. Yeah. And I didn't, I've never seen a big prawn. I've never seen a lobster. <laughs> so for me, it's this kid thinking, oh my God, this is just amazing. It's yeah. because it is. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to bring that to people in London. Yeah. And there was, back then, I, I didn't feel that home cooking, uh, home-styled food was out there. So when I started this supper club, I did as many courses like, as I can to showcase that. Yeah. And there was no intention of making money or anything like that because genuinely we didn't. Uh, it was like £30, £35 for eight to ten courses. Wow. But you can imagine all oh, this like was feast. Yeah. yeah. My husband was like, Twink, you do know this business plan sucks because we're losing money. <laughs> it's not really every, a business plan. It's not plan. a business plan. But the joy that I have mm. every Friday... <laughs> I would. I feel bad now. I'm sitting at work, but I'm so excited about what I'm going to do, yeah. or what I'm going to cook on a Saturday for people. Now, this went on for a good year, and it never stopped. But I felt like, whoa, I need to step this up a yeah, bit. I was going to say, what, what made right, you jump? What next? So I said to the husband, I said, uh, um, back then, fiancé, I said, fiancé, I, I really think I can uh, open a restaurant. He's like, no, <laughs> you can't do this. So I'm the mm. crazy one, but he keeps me grounded yeah, and he yeah, makes yeah. sure that everything's calculated. We take risks in life. Yeah. I take risks all the time. But as long as they're calculated and carefully thought out for, you you, you know what you're getting yourself into. Mm. And that's worth going uh, forward with. So he went to restaurants on Upper Street, 
because we live here in Angel. And he's like, uh, so most restaurants are actually closed on Monday. And he knocked on their doors and he's like, look, I've got this nutter that wants to cook. <laughs> and she actually thinks she can run a restaurant successfully. <laughs> but, you know, I have doubts. So can we take over your restaurant on a day that you're closed? Oh, wow, that's and such then, a good idea. Yeah, and then maybe we can do a deal where you keep the bar money and we take the food money or something like that. Yeah. And we found a place that said, yeah, sure, no problem. 50 seats. Yeah. 12 courses. Oh, my God. We were rammed. We sold out immediately. And I, you must have been exhausted. No, but it's super scary because yeah. you're like, the you're expectation is there. Yeah. Because in my mind, coming to my home, maybe people expect, oh, it's home cooking, nothing fancy. But now you're actually going to be in a beautiful restaurant in a real kitchen. Yeah. Like a real kitchen. This is going to be amazing. They're cooking, like their cook is going to be like twice the size of yours. Your food has to be amazing. The pressure was on. But that should scare me. Mm. But it didn't. <laughs> we we had no staff, of course, but you have friends. Yeah, so you Real just friends ro- roped those, everybody in to help. Absolutely. Yeah. Those that are there for you when you're happy, when you're sad and when you need them. And I'm like, guys, I need you now. <laughs> so we got our groomsmen, our bridesmaids, all dressed up in Vietnamese gear. I've got pictures to show you. <laughs> in Ao Yai, because I really wanted to bring Vietnam not only on the plate, mm. but the whole ambience of the supper club. So how long did you do the Monday clubs before you moved into this? Into this, we did that for uh, about four supper clubs out there. And we thought, Ashley, we're ready. You can do it. Yeah, we can do this. And it was nothing. It was more the fact that I didn't drop dead and cry about it. And it didn't scare me. Mm. We dropped dead, but we didn't... It didn't scare me at all because... I'm now thinking what I can do with 100 people. I'm thinking about how many dishes I can do. If I change the menu every Sunday or every week or every month, uh, the possibilities, it's just endless. You were saying about um, when we were talking before that you you didn't really learn to cook from your mum because you you had no choice. You just... She just showed you like every single day because she was cooking all the time. I don't know if this is true, but uh, in my case, (coughs) mum's like, you know... Every girl has to know how to cook because if you don't, no one's going to marry you. And I'm like, whoa, 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 stop there. I want to wear that dress. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, and it was almost like our duty. Yeah. And actually to say duty, I think it's unfair because we want to. Yeah. Because think about it. If this is our, let's say this is our tool. If this is our tool to show love, I want to show love in the biggest and best yeah. way if this is my tool to show that. Um, and second is that I'm really impatient. Yeah. If I want to eat something, I'd rather have it now than <clears throat> wait for dinner time. Or um, I felt like there is so much more you can do with things. Even cooking a... Re- mum would say, this is the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Like, she no, would mom. have her rules. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, actually, mum, you could do this, but you could never say that to mum. But I said, when I grow up, I'm going to cook. It's going to be my kitchen. Yeah. And I'm going to do this. <laughs> Obviously, mum's going to shout at me, yeah. but I'm going to do this. So you had a list of things that you, yeah, you wanted to change. Absolutely. And you were like, she won't let me do it now, but I'm going to write absolutely. myself a little wish list. But you know, you grow up knowing that yeah. her way is the right way. Mm. And I think we all do. But actually, her way is the best way growing up. Yeah. Because I believe that your mum will always be the best cook for you. Because she has spent her time tailoring the seasoning and the flavours for her family. Mm. And I think I figured that out quite late in life, which is really silly. Because I, I, I made a dish 
a very nice steak, thinly sliced, <laughs> 30 seconds, chili beef uh, with the garlic and peppers. Wow, that sounds good. And uh, for my husband, I would put two tablespoons. And if I put that much for dad, it would be too spicy. Yeah. Or a mum would say that's too overpowering because all I can taste now is peppers. You can't taste the chili and the uh, garlic. But actually, Dave loves it with the two spoons. So I ended up, every time I cooked this, it would be for Dave. But actually, which one's right? It's just different people, It's isn't just it? different yeah. people and you tailor. So then every time I cook for the family, it would be different. And for Dave, it would be different. Actually, with the restaurant here, I do that a lot. Yeah. When I first started, I used a lot of my mum's recipe because if in doubt, yeah. mummy's recipe is <clears throat> the best. You know it works. Yeah, you know it works for us. <laughs> right. So then, uh, then after that, I started to start tweak, tweak that. Them, you yeah, start to hear people. Yeah. yeah. The reason I wanted to come in and talk to you today as well was that when I ate here a couple of weeks ago, we had this incredible broth and Thank we started you. talking about broth. And you started talking about broth and I just sat there transfixed going, I need to come and find, I need to get this on tape about how yeah. the broth is made. We had this beautiful, it was like crystal clear kind of beef broth with little bits of chilli floating yeah. in it. It was so good. Yeah. And then you started telling me all about broth Absolutely. because it's, cause it's kind of one of the cornerstones of Vietnamese food, isn't it? Absolutely. So this is our... Uh, so the broth, the, the version that I did for you that night was actually a special because I was scared that you guys might leave. <laughs> so a note came down at the past. It says, they look very full. I'm like, no, they can't look full because they haven't had our pho and pho is our national dish. And I think for me, it's such a staple. Yeah. And it's such a show-off dish that doesn't by any means look like it should be uh, the showcase of the menu. Right. But actually... If you really dig deep down to how we made it, yeah. there is so much to be proud of. I think for a Vietnamese chef, home chef or professional, there is a goal to get to, and that's the clearness of the broth. Right. And I think, um, and that's what we want to showcase. Whether the other person appreciates or know it or not, the first spoonful, the aroma, the smell, and... If it's possible to taste eight hours of the broth, yeah. it should be there. And I think, right, I'm going to sneak this up really quickly, but if I put the meat and the noodles, they're not going to they're not gonna drink it because they're too full. So I made the version with just the broth, but um, adding the seasoning to make sure you get the hint yeah, the, of the chilli, <clears throat> the lime, the coriander and the broth. And that's it. That should be enough. And I think, uh, and it's cold. What's more perfect than uh, having a bowl of soup like that? That's so clear good. and good for you. But uh, yes, so it's our national dish. So um, in general, normally, traditionally before, it would be served at breakfast. Oh, okay. So pho would be breakfast. It would be rice noodles, and then you've got meat on mm. top, and then the broth on top, and it's a bowl the size it's of that. Hot, hu- well, huge. a big, short, hearty yeah, bowl, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So when I took my husband to Vietnam, he's like, um, you guys are crazy. This is breakfast. Like, how <laughs> are you eating like that for breakfast? And I really didn't have an answer because... Uh, we just do. And you know when you do something so much and it's ingrained in your head that that's what you have for breakfast, yeah. lunch or dinner, it's fine. But we realised actually it makes sense. If you look around the market, everyone after this breakfast is going to go to the farm in 40 degrees heat yeah. and do an eight-hour shift, plucking rice and carrying really heavy, heavy things for eight hours before their next meal. 
their lunch would be quite light. Normally in the farm, the lunch would be provided by the farm owners. And that would be something very simple, like a, a bowl of white rice with some very salty fish. Mm. Salty to the point where you look at the fish, you eat the rice, and you look at the fish again and you will eat two rice because it's that salty. That salty, yeah. yeah. So you're kind of replacing your salt Absolutely. that you So that's the idea well. yeah. that meat is very expensive. Yeah. So actually that bowl in the morning is that to gives feed you everything them for the whole day. Yeah. That's why. Um, and it makes sense now, but when you do it so much that now in Vietnam, even if you work in the office, you're going to have a bowl of pho for breakfast yeah. because that's what you've been doing and the whole nation's been doing that. Um, but I think um, this is the dish that really showcases not only the spices, mm. but the technique. Yeah. The technique, actually, it takes, it's, it takes eight hours, but you're not actually standing there and uh, cooking for eight hours. Right. But it's just the thoughtful layering yeah. of the details of the broth and the spices and the meat when you do it that gives you the perfect result in the end. If you're making a broth, I think key starts with good ingredients yeah. and the correct ingredients. For me, it's bones. So sweetness, I think sweetness from natural ingredients is so different from sugar. Okay. So the sugar one I find very harsh, but if you take it from bones and things like that... So you're like extracting... So absolutely. Yeah. So first it's uh, bones. So I think for bones you have to choose the correct bones. Think of where the sweetness is coming from, the marrow. Yeah. So when you're choosing bones, choose for uh, leg or knuckles. Uh, don't go for things like uh, the neck or the shoulder because the bone hasn't got any okay, marrow Okay, so you want there. that nice big thick yeah, sort of thing. The that really you're... ugly, ugly looking part. Yeah. So they're the ones that will make your broth really sweet. Okay. So how do you, um, how do you prepare those bones for the broth? Like so how the you... bones, um, so you soak it in cold water. Okay. First process, soak it in cold water for 45 minutes with two limes. Obviously, depending on the portions. Okay. You squeeze the lime in and you add some salt and you leave that there for a 45 to an hour. Then you take that out, then you rinse all that, then you parboil. Parboiling is so key. Boiling water, chuck the bones in, and then you, you're, you're basically getting all the gunk oh, and all the, the dirt Oh, the sort of like impurities. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, some people said, oh, by doing that, are you taking away but the, the flavors, sweetness yeah. and the flavour? Actually, think about it. That's, you're doing this for five, ten minutes, mm. but you're cooking this for eight hours. So there's plenty more to come. There is yeah. plenty more. <laughs> to think about it again, where is the sweetness coming from? Yeah. The marrow. Which you're not going to get to straight no, away. absolutely. Yeah. It's all the way inside. So actually, the key to making the broth clear is getting the dirt and the impurities away. So I do that, dunk it in five minutes, boiling water, take it out, drain all the water, start fresh water again. Wow. Then you put the bones in. Okay that's when you're going to start boiling for three hours. But the key to this is to bring it to boiling point yep. in my family, our recipe, <laughs> twice. Put it on high heat and you bring it to boiling point, you're getting more impurities. Right. Then you take the gunk off, yep. then you bring it to boiling point again, you turn it down, then you wait, then you bring it to boiling point again and you do the second round. Oh. Then after the second round, you leave it for three hours untouched. Now the rule in our house is do not touch anything in the pot. It doesn't no matter stirring if or it, anything. No, no stirring, no touching. There is just no need to. The job now for the bone is just for us to cook and simmer ever so slow to extract the sweetness. And the key actually is from the two boiling point, never to go that high ever again. So now we simmer, mm. completely simmer. 
then uh, this is where we add in the vegetables and the herbs. But I think for the faux broth, the key is yeah. uh, a vegetable that I haven't seen people use much of. But it's so such a shame. It's so delicious. It's okay. the daikon. Are so uh, there's another name, the Chinese radish. Radish, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, daikon. Daikon. Um, but, uh, so it's, it, the, it's that long, it looks like a massive white carrot, doesn't uh, yeah, it? Yeah, huge white carrot, but it's quite clear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, when we use that, it's really sweet. So actually, it's... It's really sweet for the broth, but the key to that, I call it a sponge, a foul sponge. Um, after about two hours, you take up the daikon, yeah. you can see all the gunk. You can see the dark colour of so everything. So it attracts it? Yeah, that Tra goes what, in the daikon. What size do you put it in? Do you, do you chop it up? or? Um, you, you, up to you. So the no. pot at the restaurant here, I just put the whole put thing in. Put them in whole? Yeah. Oh my gosh, Huge. <laughs> I know, must be a right? big pot. Well, the pot's the size of me. Yeah. So, uh, and then, uh, but at home, just do it to like uh, yeah. five, six inches. So the idea is for it to be below the, um, the water. Yeah. Uh, for it to do its thing. Uh, leave it in for about two hours, no more. Uh, because it becomes a bit bitter. Okay. So after about two hours, take that out, and you can see your broth super clear wow. and sweet without the colour changing. And it's really weird because after three, four hours, I can taste the broth, I can taste flavours, but the colour is no different. So it gives out some sweetness and it yeah. takes away all of the, the nastiness. It's like oh. magic. And I could never really explain, uh, but it really does that. Yeah. And it's the key to... For mum, every every broth she does, she yeah. puts that into clear. And so, at what when you take that out, how long has the broth been on? Then did you say four hours? So the, the the bones I would do for three. Yeah. Then after three, I would put in the uh, veg. So I um, put in the daikon. Yeah. But at the same time, you that's adding sweetness. But sweetness is not key to fell. Key to fell is the aroma. Right. The aroma of the spices. Oh, okay. And I think charring the uh, onions is so key. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you char so, them first with yeah. skins on or with? Everything. Just with everything. Skin on. Yeah. Uh -huh, with skin on. And that's when the smell really comes out. And you can tell it smells a bit burnt. Yeah. But that's okay because you're not taking everything. Okay. You take the first layer of the onions out. And if you put it on the hob, do it with open fire. Yeah. It's wonderful. And to, <laughs> I think depending on the size of the onion, I normally take about five, five to eight minutes. Yeah. But uh, if you see bubbles coming out on top... Then you know that it's really... Your dad. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so just going back to the broth, what, what, what comes next after the, um, the onion? So after the onion um, would be the... So the daikon, the onions, and then you put the spices. Okay. Now the spices, you can... It's completely up to you. They're already dried. So you can just put it in. No problem. What kind of spices would you uh, so use? You've got star anise, star anise. and cinnamon. Yeah. They're the main main ones. And Gives coriander that, like, seeds. warming Absolutely. Yeah, flavour. That, yeah. that really homely, like almost Christmassy, yeah, but yeah, it's Christmas say, flavour. Flavor um, so key for me is extracting the flavours even more. Not that they're not flavoursome already, no. but they're dry, so you can just put them in. But actually, mum's always roasted them. And I remember when she roasted them, you can smell felt. Mm. And to me, that is felt. Mm -hmm. As soon as I can smell the star knees and the cinnamon, cinnamon together, that is felt. Yeah. And uh, by doing that, you're, you're adding more flavour. Yeah. And you're adding more of like a burnt uh, flavour to the star knees. Okay. So when you put it to your broth, that changes the flavour completely. Wow. You're adding an extra layer yeah. of flavour to the star knees that is already so crazy good. Yeah. 
into your broth. So they're doing quite a lot of work, aren't they? Because are they going to be yeah. in for the next, is it four hours? Two. After two hours. Two hours. So you're up to six so hours now. It depends. Depends. <laughs> so depending on uh, where you are in Vietnam, the exact same dish could be made so differently oh, with right. the same name. Uh, for example, Phal, uh, my friend's from the north, and she her broth is saltier. Because the pho in north, uh, right. northern Vietnam is a bit saltier. And then uh, if you go to the Midlands in Hue, yeah. uh, it's spicier. So you've got the Bumbo Hue, which is their take on pho, which has tons of chilies and lemongrass, wow. which is my favourite in the world, by the way. Yeah. And then southern, everything's a little bit sweeter. Oh, okay. So we're from the Mekong Delta, which means everything is a bit sweeter, creamier, and almost everything has coconut. So we use coconut <laughs> water to, um, I do it here, I do it to braise my meat, oh, I wow. use it to marinate overnight, it tenderises the meat in such I've a never heard delicate of that. way. That's yeah. a great idea. So you have coconut water, chuck your pork chops in there, yeah, really? chuck it in there and leave it there. And when you marinate, gonna try that. so we braise, <laughs> so my ribs here, I mm. marinate in coconut water, then I braise it for four hours under really low heat, mm. and when it comes out... The sweetness of coconut is so hard to describe, oh, but wow. it's smooth. You know when you're eating something, you, it's so delicious and you, there's no guilt that goes with yeah. it? In my opinion, it's because you're using natural ingredients, yeah, yeah, sweetness yeah. from fruit, veg, rather than, uh, you know... This is making me so hungry. <laughs> people will never know. Mm. But they're like, what is that, that smooth, tarry thing in your beef? That's it. You don't. There it's, is it's no like a, secret. Yeah, it's just. And actually, it's, it's just really like I, I, I've never been trained as a chef, but I know this is what grandma does because yeah. granddad would climb up the tree at lunchtime or dinner time, and he would chop down some uh, some um, coconut and just put it in by by her kitchen. Yeah. And when she's done <laughs> with the juice, we would eat the jelly. Yeah. And that's not done. Because granddad would then take that back out and then dry, and then he'll take that back in and we use it as fire. Wow. Nothing so, ever goes yeah. to waste. And I think growing up like that, it makes me want to just recycle everything. Try and because use everything as well. I would, when I see a chicken, I don't see just two breasts. No. Like, okay, this sounds wrong. But my husband just sees two breasts because that's his favourite part <laughs> uh, of the chicken. Uh, and uh, he doesn't see anything else. But I see sweetness from the neck, the bone, yeah. the thighs. Goodness, you can fish sauce, fry the wings, you can do everything. Mm. And there's nothing. And the heart, caramelise that with coconut water, a bit of sugar, chilli, garlic. <laughs> and it's wonderful for drinking beer. Yeah. And there are so many things you can do. I think part of being a chef is not just heads down and cook. No. Follow recipe. It's about creating. It's about being creative with things and produce mm. that you have in front also, of you. Also, you're being respectful to your Absolutely. ingredients by using everything, aren't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. And recognising that there's use, uses for these ingredients Absolutely. other than just the prime cuts or whatever. Absolutely. So tell us how we finish that broth then, just so, so we can broth, get... Um, uh, we're going way off. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right, <laughs> we got back. It's all right. It means yeah. if, you want the, the, if you want this uh, methodically, you have to get the book. No, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in the end, so what have we got? Spices. Yeah. We roast the spices. Okay, onto a sweetness that's not natural. Okay, so you do have to add the fish sauce. Yeah. There is not a Vietnamese dish out there that uh, you don't have fish sauce. Mm. But we actually replace that with salt. Because um, we don't really use a lot of salt. Oh, okay. The fish sauce is already uh, salty. Yeah. So we use that, but it's got that pungent. Yes. I don't like the word pungent. I think but it it's is so one negative. of those things that if you don't, you know, if you yeah. if you don't know about fish sauce yeah. and you smell it, you just think, what the hell? Yeah, I know. 
But then when you add it to a dish, the balance it gives Absolutely. and the background flavour is... I think is, in general, yeah. with Vietnamese food, it's about balancing. Yeah. So if you look in my recipe book, everything that you see, the amount of sweetness and sour mm. I put in one side... I balance it on the other side yeah. with salt or sugar or something like that. Because when you do that, it brings That's out when you an get incredible the... balance, yeah. flavor that you don't know what. We, we give people food, like new stuff or something. They try it. They're like, uh, can you describe it? They're like, well, uh, <laughs> it's a bit sweet. No, 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 it's no. salty. No, no, it's sour. Oh, my God, it's spicy. That's the Everything beauty. going on, yeah. 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 I call... I like to refer Vietnamese food to a beautiful mess. Yeah. A crazy beautiful mess. And like as crazy as anything sounds, yeah. if you put it in the right way and balance it, it's yeah. never too crazy. Uh, but so fish sauce is key, the right amount, and a little bit of sugar to help yeah. uh, smooth down the broth. Okay. Now when you put sugar, I think it's quite harsh. It's got a sweet kick that almost like, uh, I don't know, putting a lump of chocolates in there. Right. But if you use a, get a rock sugar... So, like, the unrefined... Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, the brown, like, palm sugary... Yes. That it's of... really light. Yeah. Um, it's clear like a crystal. Oh. It's actually beautiful. Okay. It looks like something you can wear on your neck. So, not, but, the, uh, not the brown... I'm thinking of no, palm sugar. Uh, I'm not like, palm no, no, sugar. No, no, That's no. usually for dessert. This mm. is uh, rock sugar. Oh, OK. So, yellow rock sugar. Wow. Yeah. I don't it's think I've ever It's clear like a crystal. And you put it in and the sweetness is ever so smooth. Oh, okay. And we use this a lot. We Mum would use it for dessert. Yeah. Um, and our desserts are never too sweet. And I like that mm. because actually it dessert should be something tasty that's different from the savoury meal, but it doesn't have to be overly anything. Okay. Whether it's a starter, main course or dessert, it should be balanced just enough. So we never really use sugar. We use uh, rock sugar. We would crush it and yeah, use it. And, and add that to it. Yeah. And, and then I think what, that's key. My at what pantry point do you, has it. At what point do you sort of, do you strain it? Do you, do you strain the broth then to get rid of all of the... No, we actually don't. Okay. So, um, okay, so go through, okay, six, okay, after six hours, uh, you double check and you take out the, hour six, you take out all the onions and the veg. Oh, okay, now, so you the take onions. them out. Some people leave it in for a long time and think, oh, if I leave it on extra long, it's going to, it's going to be sweeter. Yeah, but it's not. No, it does the absolute reverse. It goes so bitter. It, not just bitter, but it turns your broth into a dark colour. Oh, okay. There's an assumption, I think, that I, we all make, I used to make this, that if it's chicken, it's clear. If it's beef, it has to be black or dark, yeah. so I know it's beef. No. But yours wasn't at all when we had it the here. Key? Yeah. So my mum said, so never make that assumption. That the master or the key to making a good broth is the person, they can't even tell what's in there. Oh, so, so they more, don't know where it's come from. It's they, just the they broth. They shouldn't be it's able like to say, magic, oh, it's grey, it's beef. It's a magic it, it's broth. It's clear, it's chicken. Because you, your job is to make it as clear as possible. Mm. But when you taste, it should only be through taste that you can say that to me, this is, is beef. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and that's that. the key. So you're scooping the veg out of yes. the big pot yes. and then leaving it for a little bit longer. Yep. Then after that, I uh, take the meat out. Okay. I take the meat out and I leave the broth on to simmer very, very, uh, very low. Um, I leave that for another half an hour and that's it. Uh, then you take a, a cloth. So yeah. we use a cloth. So you want, you want to keep a bit of the fat 
because the fat's actually... Oh, yeah, you're taking it like yeah. like when you put kitchen paper on yeah. top of a stew yeah. to just soak up the yeah. fat. Yeah. Oh, so cool. So here, I, I mean, I'm talking everything in big volume Yeah, 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 so you have to use a big... I only actually sort of... cook here. So we have big gastronomes and we put a muslin. Muslin on top, yeah. yeah. muslin, and then we filter the food oh. through there. Um, but even when you do that, you still get the good fat coming the good through. Fat. The fat's nice. Yeah. It just adds that little so bit of I, extra I richness. So I genuinely believe there are good yeah. fat out there. Yeah. Delicious I fat. Think, yeah. I think we're, we're all on board yeah. with the good fat and these you know, days. Yeah. A bowl of fat is not the same yeah. until you see it glisten. You know that shimmer? Yeah, yeah, the little that, shimmer across uh, absolutely. the top. And you know that's not from just pouring in oil. No. It's the oil from the marrow, from yeah. the bone. And you will only ever get that if you are cooking uh, from scratch using bones. Oh, wow. So the broth when serving is so key. So yeah. you've spent eight hours cooking this broth. So you cannot mess it up at the last minute. And you definitely can. Okay, so <laughs> you've got the noodles. You boil the, the yeah. noodles. Everything's perfect. The key is to serve it super hot. Right. So a traditional pho would have rare beef on top. Oh, okay. So you've got steak thinly sliced on top. So it's not cooked. So you need the, the broth super hot to cook that. Um, so when you do that, you're, uh, it's just incredible. It cooks the meat in front of you wow. and you can see the meat turn. I feel like you have to stay here till six so I can do it for you. And it like, <laughs> it like livens up the noodles absolutely. as well and kind of brings um, them to life. Absolutely. And, yeah. But don't forget, because you've done that, because it's so hot, it means you have to be available to eat straight away. Yeah. Because if it sits in the broth for too long, you don't want your noodles not to be crunchy because it has to be a little al dente yeah. and the beef has to be thinly sliced. The hot water would cook that, hot broth would cook that and it should melt in your mouth. Wow. But you cannot have pho without the, the herbs. Right. So sometimes if you come to the Little Vic kitchen, you will see that most of my dishes are dressed in such a way where you think it looks like a garden in a bowl. <laughs> Actually... My background is that I grew up in the farm, so this was normal. It was it's normal, normal to have that. for herbs to be on every single dish and mm. it's healthy for you, it's good for you. But actually, even if it wasn't, I love it so much to the point where I think if it was missing from my routine or my meals, I would think something's missing and I would be really uncomfortable. <laughs> but luckily enough, it's good. Yeah. But actually, every single herb has its own flavour and fragrance. And for pho, to have that missing... It's like uh, it won't be complete. Oh, okay. So as soon as you tear the uh, the basil and it goes in, uh, it the contrast it really complements the broth and the meat together. Yeah. So the kick of lime and the chili and the coriander brings everything together. So you've got the broth that's a little bit sweet, a little bit salty, just a bit savoury, and then you've got a sharp lime coming through. Yeah. So if you imagine that. Then when you're drinking, suddenly there's a spice coming through because the piece of chilli, you've just hit a piece of chilli. <laughs> That's crazy. And the meat is so tender. Mm. So traditionally in Vietnam, we throw away nothing, as you know. So the oxtail that we use, we would put that in the bowl. We'll pluck out the meat and we'll eat that. The marrow, it's so good, it's really creamy. We would put that in the broth. In the bowl, so everything would be in the centre to share. Nothing fancy. So you're just adding to it. You're absolutely. adding all your little bits. Uh -huh. So everyone like is 
is in a sense they're kind of making their own little bespoke bowl of absolutely yeah. so you've got the base the noodles and everything there but you know what you put as much herbs as you yeah. like as much meat as you like as much bones as you like but everything is edible and everything actually adds more flavor yeah. more character i'd like to say <laughs> that yeah actually that's right more character to the bowl and it's so fulfilling in so many ways so when i go home I went to university with my sister and I think mum would never pick up the phone and say, hey, I really miss the house being noisy and I really miss you guys and I really love you guys and you guys are amazing. <laughs> that would never happen. But she'll say, oh, this weekend, I think I'm making fal or I think I'm making bumbo, way." That's a sign for me and my she sister. She wants you to come home. To pack our bags <laughs> and get the first train home. Oh, bless. And it was never, even if we didn't want it, it was mum's way of saying, hey, I miss you, come home. And when we come home, never was it a regret because oh. when you sit down, we would come about 7, 8 o'clock when it's yeah. already made. But we have never, maybe because we know how it's made. Yeah. So as soon as we sit there, I can picture my mum's eight hours. You know what her, she's her been morning doing. Routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, know what she's, what she's doing. done yeah. all day to this point. And that bowl meant so much more in so many ways. Yeah. And I think, I hope, I don't know what I hope for my book to achieve. I don't know. It all happened so quickly. Mm. And I didn't even expect it because when you grow up, you, you dream of things. And mm. it's okay to dream, but it's even better to make it happen. Yeah, definitely. But when you say things like to your fiancé or your mum and dad, one day I'm going to have a cookbook, I'm going to have a restaurant, I'm this, you just sound like a... A child being annoying. <laughs> so when I had the chance to write the book, yeah. what I really wanted is that actually I want Vietnamese women, ladies, girls that are... I came here when I was seven. I was blessed with my parents pinning us down really hard to remember our roots. Yeah. But actually, is this the case with everyone else? Uh, because I get emails and letters from really lovely ladies. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm 35. I don't speak Vietnamese, but I am Vietnamese. Mm. Um, I was adopted. I'm in America now, or I'm here, and I don't speak. And my parents, none of them are Vietnamese, oh, but I really yeah. want to cook Like pho, reconnect with it, yeah. And there's no way of reconnecting yeah. to Vietnam, but I love pho. And it makes, it fills me with so much joy to even think that there are like-minded people out there that know that a bowl of broth can reconnect you yeah. in such an amazing way with not only people, but to your home, your country. Yeah, absolutely. London will always be my home. Yeah. I'm so comfortable with the rain. I love the cold weather. And when our summer lasts about two weeks, I'm okay with it. That's when you know you're a Londoner. But my country will always... You're lucky if you get always, two weeks. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, we'll always be Vietnam. Yeah. And I'm so happy that I can express my love for my country through my mm -hmm. food. And then to have a restaurant for you to come. And I, I really hope you can feel and taste that. Mm. You don't come and look at me in the kitchen, though, because I'm always a mess. Uh, but I want to say all this to you through my dishes. Well, I think um, <laughs> I can't wait till the book comes out and just getting that little preview was yeah. fantastic. Good. And thank you so much for talking You're to so us welcome. today. And I think people are just going to absolutely love that and <laughs> rush off and make their own bowl of broth. I know I Definitely. am. Definitely. And it will be methodical. The yep. recipe will be more <laughs> structured than what we've done here. Thank but you uh, very much for coming yeah. to speak to us today, Tweet. It was thank, lovely. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please don't forget to go and review and rate us on iTunes. For more information on things in this episode, head to our website, olivemagazine.com. You can also pick up a copy of our packed bumper Christmas issue right now from newsagents or download the app version. Bye for now, and we'll be back next week with even more food and drink chat.